Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 61, Continuously Improving Prioritization with Adam Walker. When you ask Adam Walker to introduce himself, the first thing he says is that he is the father of five, well, soon to be six, children. I gotta say, when I hear that, the first thing I think is, how does someone with that many kids get anything done? Adam has put a lot of thought into this, and he is a master at prioritization. Let's let him tell us about it. Adam Walker, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Adam, tell us about yourself and about your connection with the continuous improvement. Oh man, that's a, that, there's a lot to tell, but I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, so first, I'm a husband. Second, I'm a father of five, almost six. We're in the process of adopting, but it's been prolonged due to COVID. Uh, I'm also a serial entrepreneur, so I've started several companies and several nonprofits. I've, I've sold uh, a company and I'm working on growing several more right now. And uh, I, I'm into uh, productivity because, well, there's just a lot of stuff to get done and very little time to do it. And if I can't focus on w- the right things and take the right steps at the right moments, then I can't grow the companies the way that I want to. So uh, I obsess about this stuff just a bit. You obsess about it. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Well, I, so, I read I read articles on it pretty much every single day, and I work those into a weekly newsletter about self improvement and productivity and leadership. And I'm I basically just I I feel that if I can't be the best version of myself every day, if I can't be better today than I was yesterday, then then what am I doing? So I'm, I need to work on it. Interesting. Wow. Wow. So, but you haven't been trained um, the way. You know, some I'm sure some of my audience has, you know, lengthy, lengthy training on lean or, or continuous improvement or six sigma or any of that. That's that's all no. mumbo jumbo to you. No, that's, no formal training. So cool. I've read I've read some synopsis, I've read lots of books, I've read a million articles, uh, but no formal uh-huh. training. Okay. That's and, and I just love that. I love it when we talk to somebody who is like from you know, so from outside our world in a way, right? But you are um, you know, you found some principles, some ways of working, some ways of being that we can learn from. Um, so great. And hopefully you know, what, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal, right? So 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 once again, um, welcome. You know, one of the things that I think that we're all like hit with right now is this sense that as we come out of the restrictions from the pandemic, and I won't say the the pandemic's over because I don't think we have evidence of that yet, but we certainly have seen um, you know, a change in, in restrictions. Uh, people are going back to offices. Um, those of us who are working independently are finding the business is picking up. Everybody's crazy busy. All of our nonprofits now we're picking up our projects and 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 things that you know everybody swamped, Adam. Everybody everybody swamped. And I think we spent two years with that opportunity to be at home, to focus, to rethink our lives. We were going to work differently. And now I don't know about you, but I feel like it's like, you know, womp. There's just 
there's just all of this stuff coming at us now. And um, how is how is that in your world? Uh, oddly, not quite that experience. So uh, during the pandemic, I, I was working for a nonprofit leading their marketing team four days a week. And then I was growing my own company one day a week. Uh, coming into January of 22, I shifted to only working in my own company and growing that. And in doing that, I basically cut out all of the things that made me feel busy. And I set uh -huh. some very strict parameters around my schedule so that I could focus on the things that matter to me and that I want to focus on and really maximize my time. So if I'm being very honest, there is a lot coming at me. I ignore most of it and I focus on only the things that I know are going to move the ball forward. And so I feel honestly less busy than ever at the moment. Um, if I'm being very honest about it. Wow. Wow. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's to me, that's fascinating because I, I know that, you know, some people that I know are saying, you know, I'm, I don't feel that way. I, I don't feel less busy. I feel, feel a little bit crazed right now. It's, it's all, yeah. it's, it's all happening all at once, but you just said something really interesting, Adam, which is that you, I mean, you quit this or, or, or left this one, this one job and now you're you're really focused um and you're ignoring things right oh yeah so what is it i mean it sounds like a silly question right but how do you ignore things i mean so, what is yeah, your personal I, approach to that yeah I, I said i i decided that i needed to set some very hard and fast rules that were entirely inflexible in order to own my time i was tired of other people owning my time, other people controlling my time. And so, uh, so I did that. So for example, I just got a couple of minor examples. One, I live outside of a major city and I email people regularly. They're friends of mine say, Hey, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to connect. And they say, Oh, let's do coffee. And I, my response now is, uh, I would love that. I live a ways outside the city. So I only come into the city once a month on the last Wednesday of every month. And I only do meetings in this one part of town. And there's a, there's a great lunch spot there. There's a great coffee shop there. I'd be, I'd love to meet you at either of those times, anytime that day. Otherwise, if that doesn't work for you, let's connect over Zoom. And so that gives me an opportunity to basically politely say, I'm not going to spend half of my day in a car driving to come and have coffee with you to have a conversation that may or may not move the things forward that matter the most in my world and may or may not move the things forward that matter the most in your world. So we can either do it on Zoom, which is easy for everybody, or we can do it on this specific day. The other thing that I do is I decided I really needed more time in my day to focus on deep things, to create deep content, to exercise, to have time for my head to be clear and sort of out of the mundane daily tasks that sort of drag us down. So I set up a couple of rules that help me with that. Uh, the first is I only do meetings on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Wednesdays are my absolute never, ever, ever, any meeting day whatsoever, that's the day that I get just get real work done. I get deep work done that needs doing, focused work, writing, creating content, creating videos, whatever it is I'm, I need to do to move everything forward, that's my Wednesday task. I try not to do any meetings, any outside meetings on Friday either just to kind of leave kind of my the end of my week open like that. So Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Then in addition to that, on those days, I also don't do meetings before 11 a.m. because in the morning is the time when I can focus. It's the time that I can really write. I can create, I can do things that are going to move the business and move my goals forward. And if I get bogged down in meetings starting at nine o'clock, I can't do that. 
And so I create just hard and fast rules Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, between 11 and four o'clock. That's when I can meet. And once my schedule fills up, we just push meetings off until later in the week or later in the month or whatever else. And it allows me to really focus. And the last rule that I've recently implemented that's been amazing, and I got, I got this from James Clear's morning routine because I just recently kind of went through a, a test period of trying that out. And I, I recorded videos about it on my YouTube channel. You're, you're welcome to check that out. But uh, from James Clear's morning routine, I don't answer any email before noon. And so that also forces me to not get lost in the pretend work that email is because email isn't really work. It's really just quick communication that makes us feel like we're working, but we're really not usually moving the ball forward at all. And so it allows me to, to forego that and that feeling of work and actually get real work done in the mornings so that I'm, I'm forced to really focus on what matters and, and moves my goals forward. So uh, wait, can you say that role again? That role again, you don't answer any email before? I do no email before noon at all. Before, I don't, before I don't, noon. I don't all even right. open my email before noon. So you're totally not buying into the, I sent you an email, I expect a reply in the next no, two seconds. It, as, as a matter right? of fact, I've, I've got a line at the bottom of all of my outbound emails and my signature that says, I recognize that your workday may not be the same as my workday. Um, so please feel free to respond back to me at a time that is convenient for you. And in, in saying that at the bottom of all of my emails, it sort of politely sets the expectation to people that receive my emails that I also am going to respond back to them at a time that's convenient for me. And so I'm, I just I just got to the point where I'm done letting other people dictate my time and own my time. I'm going to send email. I, I will always reply to an email the same day. Always. I will always reply within a 24 business hour period, but I will never reply on the weekends ever. I will never, and, and I don't do email before noon. So those are just hard and fast rules that I'm not willing to change. How did you, how did you arrive at this? I mean, this, this is, sounds like, and this is, these are rules that you have started to establish for yourself over you know, some period of time. What was the, was there like an aha moment where you said, you said, Hey, I got to start taking care of my time or did it come upon you slowly? Yeah. I mean, I think it came upon me slowly. There are a couple of factors that sort of weighed in. Um, the first is the number of meetings that I was getting looped into were just too many. And if you're in so many meetings that you can't get any real work, meaningful work done, then you're in too many meetings and you're not getting real work done. And so now if you're like a, some super high level CEO and, and your whole job is basically meetings, like that's fine, but that's not what I was doing and that's not who I am. And so I needed to carve out that time so that I knew there was time in my schedule every day to, to move a big priority task forward or a goal forward at all times. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the aha moment for the meetings and the setting, this, the very strict schedule. On the email side, honestly, it's just this, I, I had to come to the point where I was willing to admit a couple things. First, that email really doesn't get a lot of work done, right? It, it feels like work, but it's really busy work more than, more than real work, right? So I, I had to admit that to myself. Um, second, I had to let go of that feeling of, I have to respond immediately. I have to be dominated by this. I have to be the fastest to respond to everybody. Even if they're a client, I've got to respond to them immediately. No, that's not real. It's, it's a pressure that I'm putting on myself that's not really put on me by anyone else. It's just not a real pressure. And so I had to let go of that and realize that as long as I respond back within the same day, we're good and nobody's going to care. And honestly, if somebody does care and get bent out of shape, 
maybe I shouldn't be working with that person. Maybe I should politely say, maybe we should do other things. But honestly, I've never had that issue at all. So no issues there whatsoever. And if it really is that urgent, maybe you should be talking to each other and not communicating by email anyway, right? Because yeah, call me. if it's Text that me. urgent, yeah. Yeah, if it's yeah. if it's that if it's that urgent, because there's such a risk with email too that the things that you say are misunderstood and so on and so forth. So in a or a higher... the other risk is is that emails don't get received. I mean, there's the emails do legitimately have deliverability issues often, where emails go into spam or they just get completely overlooked without any ill intent, and and so to assume. To send an email and assume that somebody got it, number one, and assume that they're going to respond within a very short amount, number two, is just an unreasonable assumption, especially in this day and age, especially with, and this may be a different discussion, but work is moving to a more asynchronous style. And that's where we're going to be in the next right. 10 years is a very asynchronous work environment. And because it's asynchronous, that means that I might be working at 10 a.m. and you might be working at 10 p.m., and I've got to be okay with sending a Slack message or an email and know that you might not respond for 18 hours. Like that's fine. And that's just how work is. And we just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and it's, it's, a, well, it is already asynchronous, right? And it right. is already multiple time zones. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, and I think the other thing is that I've, I've come to recognize as I'm working with people across the world and in different parts of the world, like, even what is the weekend, right, is going to be different. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, well, for some people's weekend is Friday and Saturday, right? And Sunday is a work day for them, you know? Yeah. For, whereas for me, Sunday Sunday is definitely not a work day. Um, and, I, yeah. and that is, you know, or that's the some, way it's going to be. People, or some people are single and they want to be able to kind of work a little bit seven days a week. And that's fine. And some people have a million kids like I do, and they absolutely want to never touch a computer on the weekend. And that's fine, right? And we need to we need to come to grips with those realities and be okay with both. Right. Right. Because we are living in the world with real human beings that we that we care for. We also want to thrive. It's not just about our own thriving. It's that's about right. it's about the rest, the rest of the world. That's right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So Adam, now as you were as you're moving into this this these hired and first rules for yourself, and um, I love that, that it sounds like you really had to do some self reflection to to get to that right because there is some sort of internal rules that we might have. I mean, certainly the idea that I'm not going to respond to a client right away. Like one of the first things we think about when we're working with clients is the client comes first, you know, we've got to take care of the client first. So you had to do some self-reflection to say, maybe that's actually not, it's not good for me, but maybe it's also not good for the, the client. Is it actually mm -hmm. deliver? Is that going to deliver value to the client? Is an immediate response better than a response that comes later and maybe better thought through? Or, well, it yeah. might be better thought through, or honestly, it may just not matter or even be on their radar. I mean, if a client sends me an email at 9 a.m., and then they go into, as most people do, a million mm -hmm. meetings for for their for their whole morning, and then I respond back to them at twelve thirty p.m. They're not. I mean, if I respond at nine thirty a.m. or twelve thirty p.m., they're probably not going to see it. They're probably going to see it about the same time either way. So, from their perspective, honestly, half a day passing doesn't really matter at all. I don't think. Right. Yeah. 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 I I totally that totally makes sense to me. 
Yeah, because that you might think that you might be thinking about them, but they're probably not thinking about you. I think that's the other thing yes. as well. Well, yeah. and that's the that's the idea is like this. There's this social concept that we have, and I read probably too much psychology too. But there's this social concept that we have that people see us right, and like that that if we go out and we're wearing mismatched socks, people are going to notice. Or if there's a stain on mm -hmm. my shirt, people, people will notice. And the reality is people don't look at you and people don't see you. Like they really don't. I mean, very, very much less than we believe they do. And so I think it's true with our clients that we think that we're constantly top of mind for our clients, but we're not. They've got a million other things going on. So as long as we respond within some kind of reasonably timely manner, they're happy. We're good to go. So do you share this, presumably you do share this with your clients, the, this idea of, no, no, not at all? No, I mean, because, because again, like at the bottom of every email, I mention like, hey, you know, your schedule is different from my schedule. Please answer on your own timetable. So, so that kind of very subtly sets that expectation. And then the reality too, is that very rarely is there going to be more than a three hour lag between somebody emailing me and me emailing back. I mean, unless if they email at 5 p.m., on a Monday, I might not email back until noon the next day, but even that is not even that noticeable for most clients, right? And then if it did cause a problem or something, they ask like, hey, why did it take you so long to get back to you? I mean, I'd be very upfront about what I do, uh, but honestly, no one's ever noticed or cared at this point. So what else are you taking out? What else am I taking out? Well, so, I, so I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in saying no, almost all the time. Uh, right. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a big kind of like productivity sort of thing, right? Say your make your default answer. No, beware of distant elephants. I'm sure you've heard that one. Um, beware of dis for, for the listeners, beware of distant elephants is, you know, an elephant seems harmless when they're, you know, half a mile off and you see them in the distance. And then when you come up on that elephant in real life, um, it's going to crush you. And the same thing is true with your calendar. So like when somebody says, Hey, can you fly out to Pittsburgh and speak at this tiny little conference in, you know, next fall, the distant elephant goes, Oh, of course I can do that. That sounds fun. Let me do that. And then next fall gets here. And that's the same weekend as my daughter's recital. And that's the same weekend as, as a million other things. Now I'm looking at my calendar going, Oh man, I really wish I hadn't agreed to that. Right. So, so I think the first thing is um, just say no as much as humanly possible. Um, that's, that's pretty critical. Uh, Let's see what I'm trying to think. What what was the what was your question again? I, I just I said what what that. else what else are you taking out? I mean, because look, right. look, Anna, yeah. we have so many things that we have the we have like opportunity to do, right? Yeah. Because we can, because we have we have family life, we have yeah. um, non you yeah. know we may have nonprofits we're involved in, we may have a faith life, we may have I mean we yeah. have work, we have yeah. friends, um, yeah, and we're yeah. What, so what, what else? else am I taking out? That, that was the question. So I think the way I think about it is I want to ruthless, ruthlessly say no to absolutely everything that I legitimately can say no to. And then I want to say yes to only the things that, that I emphatically and joyfully shout yes to. Right. So like that's, that's kind of, so for example, um, let, let's say there's a, 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 a former coworker, that is, you know, maybe they're getting married and they've got a, they, they invite me to their wedding. Well, would it be nice to go to the wedding for sure? But do I joyfully and gleefully say yes to that, to that request? Probably not. 
So that means I probably shouldn't do it, right? I, I, because again, once that wedding weekend arrives, pretty likely I'm gonna have like 14 kid things going on in a house project that's not done and something else that needs doing that are really more of a priority, but I don't realize that at the moment, right? So, uh, so, that there, so I try to ruthlessly say no to basically everything that I can. And that includes like even volunteerism. I'm only gonna volunteer at the nonprofits and in the places where I absolutely can be guaranteed I'm gonna have a legitimate and tangible impact because otherwise I don't need to be there and I don't need to spend my time on it because I'm not gonna make enough of a difference for it to take that time. Um, the other thing I think that's helpful is, is recognizing the value of your time. I think a lot of people don't do a good job of that, but placing a monetary value of your, on your time and understanding what that monetary value is and then saying, okay, well, if going to that wedding is gonna take five hours of my time, let's just assume the monetary value of my time is $500 or $200 an hour, but just for the sake of example, is it worth a thousand dollars for me to go to that wedding? No, I wouldn't be making a thousand dollars during that time, but is uh -huh. it, that's, that's a way to think about it. So, so to answer your question, like, what am I cutting out? I'm cutting out any social engagement that I'm not just incredibly ecstatic to go to. Um, I'm cutting out, I mean, any, anything or people in my life that aren't, that aren't making me better, honestly. And I think that's a big part of it. I'm a big, big believer that you're the sum total of the, you know, two to five people that you spend the most time with. And if you spend the most time with negative people that are, are not achieving what you want to achieve, then that's who you're going to become. And if you spend the most time with the people that are, that are achieving what you want to achieve, that's what you're going to become as well. Right. And so I, I try to cut out, I mean, not, not to necessarily ruthlessly cut people from my life, but to recognize that there's value in who I spend time with. And I need to be careful about that, right? Um, so I, I am careful about it. I don't necessarily just cut people out entirely, but I, I choose wisely where I'm going to spend my time, uh, if that makes sense. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's any other examples. I mean, probably TV, like, like free time. I mean, like I, I want to spend my free time wisely as well. So cut out the stuff that doesn't benefit me and maybe puts me in a mm -hmm. funky mood, like watching some dark show puts me in a weird mood, maybe don't watch it anymore. Do something else. Find something that's uplifting and interesting and fun and do that instead. So one of the things that's interesting from a, uh, a capacity perspective in managing um, an organization, managing a plant, managing um, a company is the idea of making sure that there, always, there is always slack time to deal with emergencies. And one of the big mistakes that managers make, um, sometimes they're actually taught this, is to make sure that everybody and every machine and every, you know, every part of the business is always at full capacity mm. all the time. So you're always, you know, delivering as much as of whatever it is you're delivering as you possibly can. And of course, the problem with that is that's all great as long as everything's working. Right something breaks some you know some there's some emergency uh and you have no capacity for flexibility so mm -hmm. actually yeah. creating that slack time that non-assigned time is a really cool trick in effectively yep. managing an organization and it scares managers to death to do that, right? It's really well, terrifying to have to tell your boss, hey, I have somebody over yeah. here who is not fully assigned, right? Yeah. But what, yeah. what you're saying is you can do the same thing with your personal life. 
right? That's well, the- you, you you can and you should, right? And, and not only that, but if you don't, if one hundred percent of your time or one hundred percent of your team's time is allocated, there's no time for creativity. There's no time for right. thought. There's no time for reflection. There's no time for growth of any capacity whatsoever. So what that means is that they're going to always produce at the exact level and quality that they're currently at, and they're Mm -hmm. never going to grow and they're never going to evolve. And essentially what that really means is that they're going to fall behind because everything grows and evolves, right? So it reminds me of like Einstein, for example. I mean, Einstein, one of the greatest thinkers of of our, of our, not our generation, but of in the world, right? And he spent a significant, I mean, a significant amount of time intentionally being bored and walking. He would go on these crazy long walks because that's where his mind would become bored enough and become clear enough to begin to make connections between things that seemed disconnected because that's the only time he could, he could allow his mind to fully be creative. And so with that slack time, to, to your point, number one, it gives you the additional time to fill in gaps that pop up or to fix problems that pop up that you don't anticipate. But, but even more than that, it gives you time to improve and be better. And without that slack yeah. time, it, you'll never improve and you'll never be better. Yeah, and, and from a neurological perspective, you're right, it's absolutely necessary for creativity. You, mm-hmm. Creativity, the really great, interesting connections, the Einstein type connections, or that, you know, even the Bella level connections can't happen when you are um, doing things constantly. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You have to, you have to have that time, you know, for the old theater waves to start doing, doing their job. Yeah. 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 So what do you do, Adam? What's your, what's your, what's your jam for that kind of time? Uh, You mean for, for my Slack time? Yeah, what I mean, what do you do? What's your what 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 do you do in your creative time? Your your yeah, so I do a I'm gonna things. think time. Um, I, I I do try to I try to walk the dog. I've got a I've got a golden doodle and he's got a lot of energy and he needs to get that energy out. And so he and I will go on walks and that that's really helpful. Uh, I find you know getting out in nature is helpful. So taking a walk yeah. through the woods is helpful. I mean, there's actually even a lot of studies about walking through woods with foliage in particular. And, and casting your eyes up into the leaves and how that unlocks creativity. Um, so that's, I find that to be helpful. Um, I, I like to read uh, both nonfiction and fiction, business or not, but just reading, I find just helps to spark creativity and thoughts in, in me. Um, so that's helpful. Podcasts are, are great as well, though. Podcasts, you know, reading and podcasts, you do have to be careful because it's not always downtime. So you do have to make sure to be careful about that. Right. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of meditation. I, I, you know, even short two minute meditation to clear your mind and clear your thoughts and reset your emotional state, I find to be profoundly helpful. Yeah. Th- wow. I, I love that. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about books, right, it's not it's the reading is one thing. It's putting the book down in your lap and staring off into space and yes. letting that book work, work on your mind. That's. Um, yes. Yeah, that's what happens on, on a walk, or perhaps when you're when you're you're meditating later. That you know that some connection yeah. will come that you didn't see when you when you read it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but you have to be, as I think as you said. Now you have five kids, right? So, so there's 
you're going to have to be super ruthless to make sure that Adam gets that time. And I'm sure also to make sure that you, you know, that your spouse gets that time as well. Right. Because it's not just about you. It's about being a family. Yeah. And I would say uh, that's probably the one factor that is one of the main reasons I obsess about these things and set incredibly strict rules because without them, work could easily take over and ruin family time, right? So if I, if I don't say, okay, I'm going to close my laptop at five o'clock every day, it's easy to carry on until six or seven every day and then miss out mm-hmm. on time with the kids in the evening. Um, but then to your point, like I, I need time for me. For me, that's in the morning with my coffee when I'm just kind of sitting and thinking or I'm sitting and reading or I'm sitting and meditating. Um, and the kids know like, that's, that's my time. Like you go do your thing. If you get up, that's fine. Go play Legos, do something. And then, you know, they can approach me once that time is over. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So Adam, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, uh, uh, you know, the folks who are in the situation that, uh, that I described at the beginning of our talk, which is those of us who I think have had this sense that, all right, business now for us is, you know, it's, it's really picking up. It's, we're, we're, we're having to start to say no to things. We're having to, to, to make those decisions. And I know for some people, there's a sense of, um, I, I guess I use the word of of guilt about it that you know that we're not you know we can't meet all of these needs include including our own needs mm-hmm. do you feel that and do you have um do you have a way of resolving that for yourself <laughs> i do feel it yeah so yeah? <laughs> um yeah i mean so the reality i think of all of our situations is we have a task list that's far longer than we can possibly accomplish right so like i think about myself like so i've got I've got a task list in, I use Todoist for my personal sort of tasks. Like here's the things that I need to do. And then uh, my my company uses ClickUp uh, for our team tasks. And there's a gigantic list of things there. And I've got kind of like little task lists other places as well. And the problem with that is that the list is always longer than there is time. And it becomes very difficult to identify like what's the thing to focus on? What's the priority? And so I've kind of created this methodology that I'm sure is in no way new uh, and and probably outlined in greater detail by somebody way smarter than I am, but I've created this methodology that works for me. Um, And it's it's pretty simple uh, and I do it all in a notebook. And essentially every month I look at all of my task lists and in my calendar and just absolutely everything that I can consume about what I should be doing. I look at that at the start of every month and I basically write out like, what are the top priorities for this month that are going to legitimately move me towards my goals, whatever those may be, right? So if I'm if I'm taught like one of my goals is to write a book about how businesses can create and use a podcast uh, as a means for a sales tool or for a growth tool or whatever else, or my content marketing tool. And so at the beginning of the month, I'll say, okay, well, what what's the goal that's going to move that forward? Because I know that being complete moves the business forward. And maybe the goal is, you know, uh, I don't know, 10,000 words, for example. So then, so I do that at the beginning of each month, then at the beginning of each week, or actually actually at the end of the week, looking at the next week, I, I say, okay, what next week are the primary thing, the very few things, maybe five things that really have to be accomplished, that have to be a priority in order to move the things from the month forward 
and towards completion, right? And so again, back to the book book example, maybe that's to say, okay, well, this week, if, if the goal is 10,000 words, maybe this week I can write 2,000 words because maybe I, I, you know, I don't have the capacity for whatever else. Okay, great. So 2,000 words, that's one of the priorities. So then at the beginning of each day, or again, not the beginning really, but the day before, I look at the next day. And this has been the best thing I've ever done, honestly, this, this one thing I'm about to describe. So, so at the end of today, at four o'clock, I'll look at my calendar, I'll look at my priority list from the week, and I'll look at my priority list from the month. And I'll physically in my journal write out times. So 10 or usually 11, 12, one, two, three, four, five. And I'll physically write out what my meetings are to make sure that I'm prepared for what my meeting. I know what they are ahead of time the day before. So that way I know if there's any preparation I need to do for that meeting. I know I have a calendar, but physically writing out sort of makes me sort of confirm it in my mind. Then I'll look at my priorities from the week and I'll look at my priorities from the month and say, okay, what task can I squeeze in between these meetings to move these priorities forward? Because that's really all that matters. And so I'll carve out another time for email at noon, like I mentioned before. And then I'll say, okay, well, uh, again, back to the book writing example. Well, if my goal is 2000 words and I'm getting towards the end of the week and maybe I didn't have as much time writing earlier in the week, maybe my goal would be to block out a time in my calendar to write a thousand words in that one day, for example. Um, but that allows me to know what my priorities are going from the month to the week to the day and then working backwards to accomplish those larger goals, those larger priorities that really matter to move everything forward. So that's, that's my methodology for it. So it's all about setting priorities and knowing what the priorities are over tasks, essentially. You're relating it back to the goals. So, yes. so we've 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 talked on this podcast before about okay, so so you know how are we setting goals, how you know why are we setting those goals, you know what what are you know what do the goals really mean to us, and what are they really driving for us? And what you're saying, Adam, is is now you can work backwards from that to like what am I going to be doing this afternoon that's going to be moving those goals forward? So it's not like. Right. It's not just luck that something happens or, or, or bad right. luck that it didn't happen. Well, um, or, and then do you work in time? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I was gonna say, or more importantly, it's, it's not, it's, it, it, it ensures that my time doesn't get lost to things like email or easy tasks. That's the problem with task lists, right? Is task lists, we tend to go through them and look through a task list of 15 things and go, oh, I can knock out that one, that one, that one, and that one. Those are easy. Let me go take the next hour and knock out those four tasks. And then I check them off and I feel really good about myself. But the problem with that is that the four tasks that I check off probably are not anywhere near the most important tasks on that list. They're just the ones I can knock out quickly and I feel good about myself. And that doesn't really help me at all. Right. Yeah. And then, and that goes back to the self-reflection when you, you look back and say, well, you know, I did that, but yeah. it didn't really move me towards my goals or it didn't, it, it didn't even help me learn something. Well, maybe it did help you learn what not to do to, to yeah. move towards the goals. So, so, and then right. you also, I think, I would guess from what you said before, you want to work in that sort of reflection time to say, all right, well, I, um, you know, this is what I expected to happen. What actually happened, um, because it sounds as if you are also changing, upgrading, improving how you do this, or you have done that over the past few I'm, years. If I'm not getting to get better, to where I'm you are. Worse. If you're yeah. not getting better, so I, you you're getting, get, yeah. Yeah, I gotta get better every day. That's great. 
Adam, how how do people find you? Where 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 can they find you? Your YouTube channel, your your blogs. What where where's yeah. where's the where's the Adam where's Adam Central? I'm I'm too many places. So Adam Central is my website, AdamJWalker.com. It's got links to my company websites. I've got a couple companies right now. It's got links to my social profiles, at least the ones that are public. Uh, it's got linked to my YouTube channel, which I'm starting to ramp up right now. So I'd love any subscribers on YouTube there. That really helped me out a lot. I'm doing a lot more live streaming there, which has been really entertaining. Uh, but yeah, just adamjwalker.com. I'd love to connect there. That's great. That's great. Adam, you live a life surrounded by young people. I guess that they're pretty young, right? They're pretty, they're pretty young, young people. Yeah. What's, what is your one piece of advice to, to young people studying out, are you, um, what is what is the like if you if they only have one minute with you, what would you say to them? The yeah, Adam I legacy. Have, I think if they had one minute, I would say uh, pretty quickly to do what I did not do early in my career, which is uh, set clear goals and understand what the priorities are to get to those goals and actively work towards those priorities on a on a monthly, weekly, and daily basis. Um, because I feel like we, we tend to sort of float through our careers a little too much. And if we were thoughtful about it, we might be able to do a little bit more, so. Wow, great, great advice, great advice, thanks. Hey, Adam Walker, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of lean. I really appreciate your precious time because I know that this had to be a priority for you in order for you to be here. Yeah, this is a great conversation. I really appreciate it. This is Bella Engelbach and I'd like to thank Adam J. Walker for being my guest on the Edges of Lean. Are you good at prioritization? Or like me, do you struggle with it? We'd love to hear from you. Find Adam at adamjwalker.com or on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Subscribe and tell a friend about the Edges of Lean. Please join me in exploring more of the Edges of Lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelberg with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.